Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And we're going to talk a little bit of football later in this show. But, Brett, we're going to start the day off with <sighs> Arizona men's basketball suffered its first loss uh, at Tennessee. It was a close game. Arizona off to a really bad start. Came back, had a chance. They lose 77-73 in a game that I imagine most people, from what I've seen on the Twitter anyway, and just talking to folks, are pointing to not the players as the reason why this game was lost, but instead to these officials who they had a they had a rough night, I would say. Yeah, so I was at a holiday party, so I wasn't watching it live, but I watched it uh, earlier today before we recorded on December twenty third. So knowing the outcome and knowing what the perception was, um, I'll put I'll put it this way, Adam. I I don't think I think the referees uh, lowered Arizona's likelihood of mounting a comeback but they are not the primary reason why Arizona lost the first, you know, two thirds of the first half are the reason why Arizona lost. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where Arizona got to a bad start and the slow starts have been a thing recently. Uh, it happened against Illinois. It happened against Cal Baptist, right? Like they have not been enough to fast starts. And when this one happened at number 19, Tennessee, the narrative was, well, you start off like that. You're not going to beat a team like Tennessee. Their defense is too good. And to Arizona's credit, they came back. They tied the game a couple of times in the second half, had a chance to take the lead with a couple of the possessions. And you can look at it and say, like, I, I agree with you. I don't blame the refs for the loss at the same time. Arizona's entire starting lineup being in foul trouble. Uh, Zulus Tabell is playing just 13 minutes. That doesn't help, right? Like, those are things that and we're... I'll, I'll, I'll leave my ref thoughts at this. A lot of people look at it and say, well, the free throw disparity, you know, 24, not 24, 27 attempts for Tennessee, 18 for Arizona. Or the total fouls, Arizona had 28 uh, to Tennessee, 16, and say, that's evidence that the officiating was bad. And I that's garbage because... An official's job isn't to call like the same amount of fouls, give each team the same amount of free throws. That's not how basketball works. Sometimes a team does foul more than the other team. Like that happens, and you can't look and say, "Oh, well, the officiating, like the free throw disparity." This game was not the type of game where Arizona was fouling that much more than Tennessee. Is what I'll get at. Arizona did not out foul Tennessee by a twenty-eight to sixteen margin in this game. Like uh, so, no, it, it, it wasn't. Because like, watching the game, it was physical. There were times, and there there were. There's always going to be missed calls. I don't think the rest are on the take or anything. I think they're just bad. But in this case, they're bad. Heard an Arizona team that went on the road in a tough environment and couldn't handle everything. Couldn't handle the defense early on. Couldn't handle the crowd early on. And then couldn't handle the officials, who, to your point, like you said, Brett, the officials didn't cost them the game, but they definitely limited Arizona's chances of winning at the end. Yeah, I think, I mean, some of the reasons why there's the foul disparity is what were there nine turnovers on like the first. 15 uh, possessions for Arizona. They had more turnovers than shot attempts. I think it was 15 minutes into the first half. Oh, they were flustered. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and a lot of them were, you know, literally just throwing the ball away. Some of them were the, the perimeter guys weren't necessarily ready. Um, you know, Arizona beat themselves for a good, a good long stretch of that. Granted, there was also a number of questionable things. There was, you know, a travel near the end that probably should have been called on Tennessee that, went to the and one that the shot clock was expiring. There was the technical, there's a number of times where there was, you know, the guy dives under Tubelis and he gets the, and the Tubelis gets the foul called on him. Um, I, I believe I texted you while I was watching it, uh, watching my watch of it. And I said, I hate that number 10 guy early in the game. Cause he was <laughs> flopping on Christian Coloco and, you know, Oh, Fulkerson had a hell of a game though. 
Oh, they, but he, I, I, I've never, you know, I went and played basketball for the first time since the pandemic, uh, and get my competitive juices flown at him. And he was a guy that I really want to go play against. And he, cause he's going to end up on the ground regardless. But if I was playing against him, I would make sure he knew how he got there. Well, and to, one thing that I noticed watching this game too, and it's against all the perception, right? We all watch the same game, but can come away with different things, different thoughts. But I thought, Part of it, every loose, like, it seemed like every 50-50 ball, every loose ball either went to Tennessee or was a foul on Arizona. And those are the differences in the type of game, though, because, yeah, that one where, where it probably should have been a travel call, Arizona plays great defense down two with, like, a minute left, and the ball gets bounced around off the rebound, goes right to Fulkerson, who just throws it up at the buzzer, you know, at the shot clock, and he gets a touch foul on that for the end one. It's those types of things where Arizona, on the road, when we knew Arizona was going to this tough stretch, at Tennessee, at UCLA, at USC. And we didn't expect them to go undefeated during it, but we thought, okay, if Arizona can come out there and win, I mean, geez, if they did win all these games, great. But if they win two of the three, one of the three even, because these are tough environments against ranked teams on the road, it would speak well. And, yeah, I'm frustrated that Arizona lost that game last night. I am, because, yes, the officiating did not help them. Arizona did not play their best game. They did not give themselves their best chance to win. But I'm also incredibly encouraged by what happened in that one because, yeah, they got down horribly. You can't get off to those starts against teams like Tennessee and come back to win, and yet they almost did. You know, you can't play win, but people say five on eight, and yet they almost did. And Tennessee's a good team. Tennessee's a good team at home. Arizona's a very young team, inexperienced team, and they rallied. They made mistakes. Kirk Risa made mistakes. He jacked up a three that he probably shouldn't have late in that game when Arizona was only down two. But, of course, that's this team's personality. That's who they are. And a game like this will only help them. Yeah, a game like this, I, th- I think I agree with your point that there's a lot you can take away from this, both experientially, learning, being in a hostile crowd, you know, getting punched in the mouth metaphorically. Um, better to have that happen in December than in March. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. December non-conference um, even. Yeah, sure. I mean, I actually, what, what the, when I was watching the game, one thought I had was I actually feel more confident for Arizona playing UCLA and USC after this game, I think that'll get them mentally better focused. Um, Cause like one of the, one of the stats that really jumped out to me, uh, I, I pulled it up cause I wanted to confirm what felt true. Arizona got out rebounded in that game, Adam, they should mm-hmm. not be out rebounded. I remember there was one, well, possession. they're starting fours and fives played a combined 32 minutes. Like that's part of it. But the, the I will counter that. Cause I was one play. I specifically remember Tennessee, got three three-point attempts in one possession with long rebounds that's not you know your big guy grabbing a rebound that's your team your team rebounding mm-hmm. effort we also um, know long rebounds can go i mean that three-pointers tend to have those but, oh, but i know what you're sure. saying i get what you're but saying that's, like but that's should be out rebounding their opponents yes that's a that's a lesson to learn for for that team right um you know i think there's a lot to take away from it i'm i'm convinced if you lined those teams up in the same hostile environment tomorrow arizona wins by 10 well, I think Arizona's a better team. Yeah, I think they're definitely the better team. I think that this game is a growing maturity experience game for them that hopefully will pay off in spades. You know, Tennessee's a good team. I don't think they're a great team. Um, I think <laughs> I think Arizona got a little flustered with the bad calls, and some of those things accumulate. And it's not necessarily the call itself, but you know, especially foul calls in college game, like when Tabellus gets a couple of questionable foul calls and then he's taken out of the game that, you know, that, that has an impact for the 15 minutes he sat. Right. Mm-hmm. And that maybe contributes to rebounding. And there's a lot of things that it's, it's impossible to know what could have been, would have, could have, should have, uh, you know, I think it's a game you learn from. Um, I, I think Tommy coach, Tommy Lloyd had, you know, for a first year coach, he sure got a, a pretty strong, uh, wise mentality about it. Where right. I, I'm paraphrasing where he said, uh, the team that complains about uh, officiating is usually the one that loses, and I don't want to lose, so I'm not going to complain about the officiating um, or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And I think they just they need to get beyond that. Um, like, was it a badly officiated game? Yes. But we're, we're, we play in the Pac 12, we're used to that. Yeah, well, I've seen people be upset that they feel like maybe Tommy Lloyd didn't stick up for his players, and we have no idea what he said in that locker room, right? But what he says publicly was like, hey, you have to play through, and he's right. <laughs> like We can be mad about the officiating all we want. We can say and multiple people, not just Arizona fans, have tweeted about how this is one of the worst officiated games they've ever watched, and that's probably true. It doesn't change the fact that Tennessee won the game. So if you're Arizona, yes, it's poorly officiated, and you're going to be in more poorly officiated games. Like I said, they play in the Pac-12. It's going to happen. But you have to find a way to play through it. And, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing where if it's a one-point game or whatever, Arizona, Arizona's up two maybe, and they call a phantom foul on a three-point attempt at the buzzer, and the other team makes three free throws. Like, it's never single like one single call that ruins a game. Now, like you mentioned, I said earlier too, like Tubelos being in foul trouble, playing very little in this game, that makes an impact, right? So those things build up over time. But if you're Arizona, you have to play through that. And this is a young team. It's a team that's very, very, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? They're emotional out there, especially Kirk Carissa. And situations like this where they do get flustered by the car, like they battled back in this game. The second half, Arizona was Arizona. We can praise Tennessee's defense all day, all we want to. Arizona made uh, 58% of their shots in the second half, made 7 to 15 threes. Like once they started making shots and settled in, they were a significantly better team in this game. And Tennessee survived at the free throw line in the second half. That's absolutely true. But if you're Arizona, yeah, the officiating wasn't great. But Tommy Lloyd's right to, like, you can't go in and say, this isn't a he touched the ball, he touched the ball type of moment. <laughs> There's no reason for Tommy Lloyd to go out there, just blast the officials after this game. It's one loss. And you try like, they weren't going to go undefeated this season. We knew that. So for his team, I'm sure he told them a completely different message than what he said in the media, in the press conference. Because he watched the same game we did. We know that. <laughs> he, he saw how bad some of the calls are. We saw someone on the TV how upset he was over some of this stuff. He knows. But for this team, he also knows that this game doesn't end their season, doesn't do anything out of this season other than say, hey, now you lost a game, learn from it. That's it. So that's what this game is supposed to be for Arizona, who has much bigger goals than getting a 12-0. and <laughs> so like yeah. it's fine no nobody remember when asu was the jokingly referred to as the non-conference men's basketball champions when they went undefeated leading into pac-12 play and then yeah got, and then lost know, to arizona in like the first pac-12 game or something and they they proceeded to lose a, a whole bunch of games in the pac-12 um you know also the people that are if they're if if some of the fans out there are saying that tommy lloyd needs to stick up for his players more he was getting pulled back by Dale and Terry during the game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a time to be working the refs and once the game is over, there's nothing to be gained from it. So that's where I, I really appreciate and respect his approach to that. And you also don't want to be the team that's known for bitching at their refs over and over yeah, as a coach. Gonna, Cause we know what happened with Sean Miller. Things. Refs did not give him any, do him any favors in part because he was very animated about that. And you don't want, it's one thing he needs to take that. It can't be his team. And has one of, that's one of the learning experiences for him as a head, first-time head coach with this team. They got to learn that. Yeah, and I think I think your your word choice of emotional is a good one because I think that shows up in a couple of the players on this team. Kirk Carissa, I think Azulis Tubelis got you know emotionally taken out of the game with mm-hmm. the foul calls, and he needs to not let that impact him. I think Christian Coloco was frustrated a little bit by the way the game was being called down low. Some of the foul calls he got and eventually fouled out. Um, you know, he got called, for, you know, uh, that, the, the, their big guy, what I said, flopped, like he flung himself like eight feet and got Christian Coloco a foul, like three minutes in, like those are the, th- the calls that end up, you know, Oh, Coloco bit in a couple of jumps, like pump fakes. Like you can't yeah. do that. Like, yeah. You know, one or two bad calls, you know, that's a bad call, but like, it doesn't mean you should be biting on those fakes. There's still things Arizona could have done to have fundamentally won the game. But I think it's a good learning experience. I think I actually am going to feel pretty confident. I might even have a hot take that I think they're going to they're going to sweep the the Southern Cal schools. Ooh, wait, wait! You said you can't say it's a hot take. I think they're going to do this. It's a that's it's a, a lukewarm take. It's yeah. a lukewarm take. That's I, a room I, temperature take. All right, in like April. <laughs> hey, room temperature in April in Phoenix is pretty hot, Adam. Actually, it's pretty nice. You know that. <laughs> um. No, I, I think this is going to be the game that ha- helps them focus and clean up some of those little things where they, they need to be better. Um, and there's still where's, you know, they, they played pretty horribly. They got out-rebounded. They had officiating not go their way, and they still had a chance to win up until, you know, the last minute, mm-hmm. right? Uh, against a good team in a hostile environment. So yeah. to me, that tells me that, you know, they're a very good team. They only had one guy, Ben Matherin, who... Boy, he's just looking like all every part an All-American player this year. Uh, he's basically unstoppable as a driver and finisher right now, and his outside shot is so good. If he develops a little bit more mid-range post-up, he's you know he ha- he. I think you know we were texting. I think you said he has no ceiling, and I think that's right. Yeah, and offensively, and if, he, and, if and he's and he plays low-key, pretty great defense. Um, you know, I think I think this is a game you take it, you learn from it. And you move on, and you don't get, you know, don't get upset about it. See how they react. Yeah, this is the, this type of game where you probably miss Aiken a little bit because he is more experienced. And I mean, maybe he's never played at Tennessee, but he's a veteran player. But overall, yeah, Matherin was great. 
he kept them in this game for long enough for Carissa to start making some shots, which he did help keep man. Dalen Terry made some buckets, and then even Tubelis made a few down the stretches last. He made those three points in like the or three buckets in the last like minute and a half of the game. <laughs> like, but it's it wasn't a well played game by Arizona by any stretch of the match. We've seen them play better this season, and we'll see them play better again. But they had a chance, and. Hey, it's almost about what we've said. Like they've proven themselves to I think all of us. This is a legit, like third weekend in March, talented team. Like they could get there to the tournament, right? Like they could. This is a Final Four talented team. Does that mean they're going to make the Final Four? I'm not making that call. That'd be a insanely hot take right now. But the talent is there, and a game like this I think only reaffirms that. Yes, there's things they need to improve on, but it's not getting better as basketball players. It's just getting more comfortable in environments when they get punched in the mouth when. You know, they're in the road. And granted, they're going to play a lot of these neutral site games, or but they're going to play road games. They're going to have to go to UCLA next week. You know, they're going to USC. They're going to have to, you know, they're going to play in tough environments. A game like this will only help them when that time comes. So I don't I don't feel worse about the team. I love how they responded at halftime because they were the better team in the second half in that hostile environment. You'd like to think that they don't need 20 minutes to settle in. You know, if they only needed five minutes to settle in, they win this game by 10. Yeah. But, that's just the way it is. It's their 12th game of the season. They're 11-1. and one. They were number six in the nation coming into this game. We'll see how far they drop. I don't imagine they should drop too far unless it's one of those no-one-believed-in-them type of things. But why wouldn't you believe in them? Other than, like, if you're Seth Davis, who just wants to make an excuse for why you haven't had them ranked as high as you should have all season long. Other than that, like, it's a non-conference game, the last one of the season. And I think this team... It's going to be better for having played it. And all the things that went against them, all the things that they did wrong, they'll be better for having played this game. 100% agree with everything you just said, Adam. So, <laughs> well, that's I guess that's the bad news. Arizona, of course, is now off. Arizona men's basketball until they're at UCLA and at USC next week. And, then, of course, at ASU. So they start the Pac-12 slate off, or at least this part of a conference playoff, with two road games and then kind of a home game. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing that we, we have glossed over with this loss, though, is Tommy Lloyd owes Adia Barnes uh, a nice dinner. Do they say a nice dinner or someone has to pay for dinner? Well, what was that bet? I think it was implied. <laughs> okay. Uh, other other women's basketball news we won. Arizona picked up a four-star commitment for the 2023 class, Montoya Du, uh, from the Vegas area. So that's cool. Just Adia Barnes like that. They still haven't lost a game. They are in a little bit of a COVID break right now. So hopefully everyone gets healthy there with that program. It's everywhere. So when we talk about games in the future, there's the caveat of hopefully. Um, but anyway, I think that that should do it for basketball. Brett, there's football news. Of course, we're a year into the Jetfish era. And last weekend after we recorded podcast, Arizona picked up a really big commitment. Let's talk about all that after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back, and Brett, let's just get right to it. T-Mac, uh, Matt Moreno of GoazyCats.com. When we had him on last week, he said his inkling was, McMillan, I don't, Tatroya, I, T-Mac, is just, it's a lot easier for everyone involved, was going to sign with Arizona eventually. We didn't get word of that Friday night, which was the signing period. Like, he had to sign by Friday night if he's going to be eligible like, for the early signing period. But Saturday morning, word came out that Arizona got their guy, a four-star in 247, a five-star according to Rivals, Still just, I think, the highest-rated commitment Arizona's ever received in the recruiting era that we have today. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard to overstate the importance of getting T-Mac. You know, the only downside is, do I have to learn how to pronounce Tatoira? 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 T-Mac. Yeah, T-Mac. T-Mac, as we will call him. You know, it... It, it not only is he going to be a guy that is an immediate contributor, he's all but a, you know all but guaranteed to be a can't miss type talented receiver, a position of need. Um, you know he also you know announces Arizona and Jed Fish and his, and his staff their presence with authority mm-hmm. in the recruiting world, not only with what they already got from the Saravite guys and 
they, they, you know, I don't know if you've gone through Adam and looked at like the top 30 recruits in California. There's a lot of Wildcats on that list. Um, and it's, it's, it's really putting Arizona on the map as a destination. You know, it would be curious to see what it means even going forward. There's supposedly there's another four star that, uh, has committed to Arizona, like not, not publicly committed to Arizona, but may have already signed his, his paperwork. So that class may even, you know, that ranking of top 25 may hold, you know, there's going to be moving parts with all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, TMAC, you know, juice County four out of four with, uh, Manu, Fafita, uh, TMAC and, uh, Keon Burnett, Mrs. Fief, uh, clearly did her, her job, um, <laughs> in terms of getting, you know, she was right too. She never believed it, but that speaks to the plan that the coaches had in place and to get all these guys, like they identified Servite as a place with some talent that could really help them. T-Mac top of the list, Kim Burnett, but Fafita too, who, you know, if he was a few inches taller, would be a can't miss type of prospect. They did this recruiting, like the first full recruiting cycle. There's certainly guys that they wanted, they didn't get. But they seem to have hit in a lot of players that they did want. And this isn't just like the OKGs, the three-star guys, the projects that you're hoping will pan out. These are legitimate talents who could have gone elsewhere. Now, everything I read about McMillan is how you know relationships matter tons to him. And his relationship with the Arizona guys and with the Arizona coaching staff that he built was huge because he's going to go to Oregon. It was his dream school, but he liked their wide receivers coach who's now leaving. Like If, if Cristobal doesn't leave Oregon, T-Mac's not coming to Arizona. We have to acknowledge that. But what Arizona was able to do... And it's the same thing for the USC guys, you know, Price, Sock, and Green, in that they were ready for these guys. When they were interested in maybe flipping, the Arizona was ready to bring them into Tucson with a plan in place. And, yeah, T-Mac they've been working on for a while. But you look at this recruiting class, and it's not done yet. As you mentioned, there's rumors out there of more, too. And there's also the – this was the early signing period. They could still add more in a couple of months. But just it really came together, and – it's going to take more than one recruiting class to get this program back or get it to where it's really competing for high-level bowl games. But if this is the foundation that they're building upon, then they're in pretty good shape. Yeah, I think I, I think I asked Matt Moreno in our pod last week if, you know, maybe it's not the best recruiting class. You know, you don't, you don't really know, but is it the most important? TMAC committing only solidifies that, and I think, I think you can probably safely bet that it's going to end up being the best recruiting class that Arizona football has ever had. Well, up to right. this point, hopefully next year's is even better. Well, a boy can dream. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it, it's it's an interesting thing um, when you think about it in terms of there's still you know holes in the roster potentially. There's concerns on on depth. Everybody drink. Uh, you know, the quarterback room, offensive line. You know, we, there hasn't been a lot of transfer portal news. You know, Keaton Slovis was looking like he was maybe considering Arizona, but boy, having T Mac there. Sure makes this an appealing uh, one-year option for somebody that you don't necessarily block no fita. We'll see how it all plays out. Um, you know, I, I the difference between a one-win Arizona team this year that was competitive in probably nine of their games, you know, nine or ten, and them being, you know, maybe not a great team but competing for bowl eligibility, eligibility even if they don't get there, you know, a guy like T-Mac can solve those, some of those problems. Like what was, what was Arizona's biggest problem last year? Red zone offense, probably. If yes. To, it was one of them. One thing yeah. or certainly in the top two or three. Keon Burnett and T-Mac, even as true freshmen, you know, I don't know if you've looked at the highlight videos and spread some of the scouting reports. T-Mac is one of the national guys recruiting said he is maybe the best 50, 50 ball receiver he's ever scouted. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a lot of highlights of just no Fafita throwing the ball up and, he goes and gets it, right? That's nice to hear. And if you can do that in the, if, you know, Arizona and Jed Fish's offense was effective with subpar talent at moving the ball. They just weren't able to punch it in. You know, the difference between a team that's scoring 14 points a game and 24 points a game for Arizona, if their defense maintains, that might be a bowl eligibility right there. And T-Mac alone might might be a guy that adds 10 points a game. He's that kind of player. And opens things up for some of the receivers because we've talked about Majon Wright will be there. You have Dorian Singer who's going to be there. These are bigger receivers, talented receivers. And you start to see an offense that <laughs> they, they were able to move the ball last season. Now can they convert the yards into points? You start to see an offense that maybe should be able to score some points. Now quarterback still uncertain. The transfer portal's out there. We don't know what their plans are. Keaton Slovis, who is one of the rumored guys to Arizona, he chose Pitt. But 
to the extent that having T-Mac, it's just another sign that says, hey, you can come to Arizona. Like, high-level talent can come to Arizona. And, yes, he might be at Arizona because his best friend, Fafita, is also at Arizona. Like, that's part of it. But when guys who have legitimate NFL aspirations, T-Mac, Sterling Lane, for instance, Keon Burnett, when they're choosing Arizona after Arizona won a game, like, that says something. That shows a faith and shows a belief in this coaching staff to develop them and to win games. Yeah, they don't want to win two games a year. They want to win. Granted, they want to get the NFL more probably, but they think they can do all that in Tucson. And it sends a signal, it sends a message to the rest of the country that, yeah, this is a place where you should want to be. You know, you could build a legacy at Arizona. You can help be part of the group that gets them from a one-win team to a bowl game. Like, you're not expected to win a national championship. If you get Arizona to a bowl game, you're going to be looking at it as heroes for this program. So it's just, like, feelings don't win games, but the feelings, once again, offseason Jed Fish, uh, <laughs> he's Und- the best. Undefeated. Like, undefeated in the offseason. But, but that matters, right? It's, again, after, it was the same situation last year when they hired him. It was like, okay, well, Arizona's coming off a winless season, a losing streak. I forget what it was at, um, 12 games or something like that. And you're like, wow, this is just awful. And then Fish comes on, you're like, okay, there's some buzz. We feel pretty good about things. You know, and then they win a game, and you're like, oh, geez, here we go again. And then the recruiting class like, wow, things are good again. Like, you have to do that. You have to win the offseason before you can win the regular season. And this is an offseason that, especially now with someone they've lost to the transfer portal, not a ton. Jerry Roberts announced he's coming back too. Like, so far on this offseason, it's been mostly win after win after win for Arizona. Yeah, you know, for – for guys like T-Mac coming, expect to see, you know, it's they're going to, if they get to win six games, they're going to build a statue of Jed Fish and name him coach of the year. And, and T-Mac and Keon Burnett and the Cerebite clan, a lot of these young guys, you know, Arizona low key had the Arizona edge program with right before the name image likeness ruling or right around the time the name image likeness came out, expect to see a lot of uh, promotion of, of T-Mac as the face of the program, ready or not, it's coming T-Mac. Um, <laughs> But it's, you know, and that's only going to hopefully build, uh, you know, upon the things you're talking about in terms of winning the offseason. If you have some, you know, honest to God star players that you can market, you know, they're going to be able to have that as a, an example uh, going into recruiting for, for next year's class. Right. Mm-hmm. And say, hey, look at what we're doing for T-Mac. And you can be, you know, in a name image like us, Neil, deal, sometimes being a big fish in a small pond might be more beneficial than being one of. 20-something four- and five-star guys in a recruiting class, right? Well, that's what Arizona has to sell to a lot of these guys is early playing time and a chance to be a star on this team. Because, yeah, if you go to what USC will be in short order, you might just be another guy. And, yeah, you if you if you can start USC, you're going to be a first-round draft pick, so that does help. But Arizona has to show players or has to make them believe that they can come to Tucson and leave as a first-round pick, a second-round draft pick. Like, that's what they have to do. And that's what Rich Rodriguez failed to do mostly, what Kevin Sullivan didn't do. Mike Stoops was okay at it. He brought some NFL talent. But you need to be able to prove that you can send guys to the NFL because the best players, like a lot of them, especially in the West Coast, California, they'd rather stay close to home more than likely. And, yes, they want to win, but they want to go pro. So show that you can do that. And getting guys like T-Mac who have that trajectory. Like you don't have to develop like – you have to develop him, yes. But he's got pro potential, easily pro potential. Sterling Lane, same thing. Cam Brent have pro potential. If you can build on that and get them to the next level, then that's going to build on itself and allow you to recruit more of those guys. So this is hopefully the start of that. Yeah, I, th- I think it's the start of uh, of hopefully something that will end in Pasadena for long-suffering Ooh, Arizona fans. Chill. But, uh, you know, we say we'll after see. they won a game. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, I, I think Arizona fans are feeling much more optimistic about the direction of their program this offseason than other Pac-12 fans are. Well, isn't that the other thing, too? Like, Arizona, for all that's gone wrong in the Pac-12, things are looking pretty good. So, you know, we will take that. And we come back, Brett. It's been one year of Jed Fish as the head coach of Arizona. The highlights, the lowlights, we'll get into it. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. we got one segment left here, and... We're recording on December 23rd, which is one year to when Jed Fish was hired as Arizona's football coach. And looking back, I've seen in the time hops on my tweets about questioning the move, but I also gave the caveat, we'll see what kind of staff he can hire because I acknowledge that I thought Kevin Sullivan was a good hire. So what the hell did I know? Um, It's been a year. 
one year, 12 games, one victory on the field. I, and yet I feel pretty good about things. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> we've, we've laughed, we've cried, we've seen red zone woes plague Arizona. Um, I think I think one year later we're benefiting by the you know we were joking that Jed Fish is undefeated in the off season so he's two and zero in off seasons yes. uh, so far um, and if this is his first you know true off season first true recruiting class right you know he came on board in late December last year the the recruiting class was largely settled or it, it's not as much of a building the relationships like they have now you feel pretty good about the direction of the program um, you know I was looking through the AZ Desert Swarm. Uh, article on this with some of the highlights and lowlights yeah brian put I, out yeah brian peterson mm-hmm. yeah you know I, I i think back and it's like boy it's hard to feel good when i still will just never get over the nau game i'm pretty sure i texted you and said the real a real conversation should be should he be fired after that because it's kind of an inexcusable <laughs> it's an, i you know i was skeptical on the hire date to say the least um once the once the staff got filled out i was more curious yeah. curious um and you know everything that you're seeing in terms of what we asked for and hoped we were getting you know i was thinking about it uh you know i was talking to a buddy about it and he's like boy uh fish and his staff just must be grinders if they're getting this kind of good recruiting class i'm like that's what what we said a year ago saying you know he seems like he has the grinder mentality and we think that's what you need to be successful at arizona in the long term and i think that has proven true i think his ability to hire good coaches has has been proven out to be pretty darn successful. Don Brown was a home run of a hire, even if he left mm-hmm. after only a year. You know, there's a couple new guys that they hired, but you know, I think they're the. I think Jed Fish is smart at taking the right kind of calculated risks. Um, you know, and it shows up in terms of how they're recruiting, how the teams are performing. Uh, play calling has been uneven last mm-hmm. season. I think in his first year. Um, I, my, my working theory is that Jed Fish was trying to call a game that he wants to call rather than tailoring it to the talent level he had on the team. And I think that got better over the course yeah, of the year. Early on, that was certainly the case. Yeah. Granted, I've, you know, there's still questionable things that, you know, goal line play calls, um, <laughs> which we've, we've have been well documented and where we stand on that. Um, you know, it's easy to say it's a, a massive improvement from where we were a year ago because we did not win a game that season. Granted, if there had been a full season, I'm confident Arizona would have won a couple. Uh, you know, I, I'm I, a year later. I am glad to have uh, been proven that my initial skepticism seems was uh, somewhat unwarranted, and I actually am pretty optimistic about where things are going. And bluntly, we went one and eleven, and I'm really excited to get to spring football which is a weird thing to feel after a team that won <laughs> one game in two plus years. Yeah, depending on, you know, like you just like the Rorschach test, right? Rorschach? Rorschach? What is like, Rorschach. Like you could look at the first year of the Jed Fish error and feel either validated that, yeah, he's actually going to be a good coach for them, or validated like, yeah, this was a terrible hire, right? Like in some ways, yeah, things have looked really good. The recruiting has been outstanding, certainly better than anyone anticipated. The coaching staff hires seem to be planned. That everyone has a role. It's a good quality staff. Like the recruiting looks like it's been a focus and it should be. You need better players. And some of the coaches like Dwayne Walker, cornerbacks, he's good. <laughs> like they got some really good coaches on that staff. And I think that's a sign of what Fish can do because these coaches could coach at a lot of different programs and they chose to coach at Arizona with Jed Fish. So they believe in him. And the players we saw, they played hard all season. And a lot, like, they improved, most of the guys. They really improved. They were able to bring guys back from the portal last year who went in initially. So a lot was good. A lot about what Jed Fish has done since he's been hired as Arizona's coach has been good and should give you confidence. And yet there were those things of some of the play calling was questionable, whether it was the you know, play-to-play management around the goal line at times or just not catering the offense to the talent that he did have, asking his quarterbacks to do too much. You know, so there, there's reasons for concern, too, but we have to remember this is Arizona. They weren't going to hire a really expensive coach. They didn't have the money to do that, and it was also, again, Arizona. So you have to take a chance on a guy, and 365 days later, I feel like Jed Fisher is the right guy to take a chance on because he seems to be putting in the work, because he seems to have a plan. He's certainly not dumb. 
Like the guy's very smart. He's good with the media. He's good with the PR stuff. He's good on Twitter. No, hold on. He's great at Twitter. <laughs> so he's doing so many things right. And if they had beaten NAU, which was easily the low point, not because it was like this is their worst performance of the season, but because you can't lose to NAU. Like that's gonna that's gonna haunt him until he gets things truly turned around. If they win seven games next season, then people are like, yeah, well, who cares about the NAU game? You know, whatever. Twenty twenty one. Who cares? Throw it away. But until that happens, that's the one people are going to point to. It's like, yeah, you did all these good things, but wow, you lost to NAU. Like, that's unforgivable until you reach the heights that you need to get to, in which case it's just a speed bump in year one. But that's what it has to be. Like, 2021 has to be year one of a building process, a rebuilding process that we start to see the fruits of. I don't think anyone's expecting a bowl game in year two, but by year three, they should be competing for a bowl game. If they do it in year two, then that's going to be a huge jump, which I think could happen because I don't think they were that far away from winning a couple of the games last season. If they win a couple, if if you beat, if you beat NAU, if you don't lose Jordan McLeod against UCLA and beat them, if you have Jordan McLeod, you probably beat Colorado. You know, these are games that they could have won, but you know that's the difference. So yes, I feel good about Jetfish being, if not the right choice, a year later, I think it's a worthy choice. I think he's a guy that you can, he had a plan clearly when he interviewed and the plan that we've seen, not bad, not bad for Arizona football. So is that enough to say like they nailed this? It's a home run hire. No, I haven't seen enough in one year to take, to make that claim, but I'm certainly not in the, Oh man, he's on the hot seat or they could do like, they need to find another coach. No, I'm willing to give him a chance after everything I've seen. I'm willing to give him another year and then a year on top of that and a year on top of that, because I do see a plan and they're executing it to a degree that we haven't really seen in Tucson for a while. Yeah, I, you know, when you were talking about that, Adam, I was, I actually kind of wanted to pose you with a question. If we flash forward a year from today, what, what, what does it look like for you to say, "Hey, I feel great. We need to extend Fish, give him a big raise." What is holding pattern, and what is, I, you know, I'm, I'm concerned in terms of on the field performance. Offensively, they need to improve. They can't be scoring 16 points a game, 17 points a game. So if I see a jump there, because he's an offensive guy, he's the play caller, I need to see more offensively. And I could look at and say, yeah, they ended the talent last year. They had small receivers, mostly. They had an offensive line that wasn't great. They had quarterbacks who needed to learn the system. Well, okay, the quarterbacks you have now, every one other than Fafita will have at least one year in the system. And Fafita is going to arrive for spring ball, so we'll have more time than a lot than Jordan McLeod had, for instance, last season. And you'll have big receivers. You'll start to have some of your guys at the skill positions. So I expect to see a jump offensively. Defensively, it wouldn't shock me if they took a step back, which will limit things overall. But to me, that's the improvement that I need to see. And, of course, if the recruiting stays at a good level, right? I'm not expecting another Servite-type class. But if they're recruiting in the top 35 rankings, if that's where they're at, I can live with that, with those incremental improvements on the field. That's all it takes. I, I'm not expecting greatness. Again, this was a monster rebuild. But with the talent they brought in, if the transfer portal can be kind to them and maybe bring in some offensive linemen and some more depth drink, then, then there's no reason why this team can't be more competitive. Now, of course, the non-conference schedule is brutal next year. So like, we'll know improvement when we see it. I think we saw it this past season, and we'll know improvement upon this past season, next season, if it happens. I, I find it interesting you didn't even mention wins anywhere in that, Adam. Well, because I'm not expecting them to win six games. Like, what is yeah. what is the win? Like, the non-conference schedule, if they go 0-3, it won't surprise anyone. And want to say mean anything terrible. That's a tough non-conference. You know, like, I don't know. I have to see more what does Arizona's quarterback situation look like. I'm looking again, though, for performance. Same thing as this past year. It wasn't, yes, I'm glad they won a game. But it wasn't about wins. It's about building. And to me, they built a foundation of these players play hard. They believe in the coaches, and the coaches are building the foundation if they can bring in talent. Now, can they improve on that? And to me, improvement is playing better, getting better in the system. The coach is coaching better, having better game plans, and the players understanding them with having more talent, too. Like, I don't know if that leads to more wins, not with this schedule, but if they're a better team, we'll notice. Yeah, I, w- I'm gonna, I wanna flip it out of its head a little bit and even say, if I, if I look ahead in the optimistic take, I'm gonna. Uh, of Arizona maybe competes for bowl eligibility. I'm going to throw some Arizona Wildcat fan pessimism all over that. Uh, if 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 they are a bowl eligible team next year, I'm concerned Jed Fish is going to get paid somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> and I I have, here's a here's a ice cold take. I think if Arizona football is at or above 500 at any point next year, you should extend Fish and give him a raise, <laughs> even if it's three games in. And, and that's. 
And that's the type of problem where obviously you'd love to have the problem where people want to hire Jed Fisher away. That means he's winning. It means he's doing good things. And that was the people when he got hurt back. Well, he's hopped from job to job. He's like, well, this is I've never been a head coach before. This is a job I want. Hopefully we find out. Even Rich Rod was rumored to be leaving after a couple of years, right? For what was it uh, South Carolina, I think, SC yeah. State or something like that. I mean, Sean Miller after the Elite Eight run was rumored to Maryland. Like this happens. You hope that your coaches are sought after by the schools. You'd rather have them get bought out. Like you have to, you know, as opposed to you have to fire them and pay them to leave. But that's that's future Wildcat problems that you hope to have. I'm not even thinking about that. Not worried about it. you can you can call it pessimism. I don't even think it's. I think that's optimism. Like, I really do. I think if that was to happen, that means that's good things. Like, no one's going to want to hire Jed Fisher. They win another just one game next year. But if he wins five, six, and some people want to hire him, then, yeah, that's great. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that might be the best-case scenario outcome, five, six, uh, where hopefully you're, you're not Arizona competing with the going rate of head coaches that happened this offseason because this offseason was madness. No. But, uh, you know, I think if you look back on the year, there's more – it's it's all this year has been all about foundation building rather than you know building the house right mm-hmm. i think the foundation with the recruiting class that's signed and hopefully that'll be filled out with some spring signees and transfers the foundation's there now you got to start building things you got to start seeing it on the field and hopefully that shows up in wins cuz i know you said you're you're not worried about that you just want to see improvement you know it's an outcome it's an outcome based business and you can have you know, you can't be out gaining your team by a hundred yards in every game and going one and eleven and expect to keep your job. Oh, I agree with that. Long. But I um, just think, but like, do you have? A, is there a win number? Is do they? Does he have to? It's not. Does it? Oh, you have to win this many games or else. Like, I don't think that's the case this coming up season. I think. I think if they're at two wins next year, I think the seat starts to get warm. Really? Because I. It's an outcome-based industry, man. And with the transfer portal, you should be able to, you know, if you're effectively able to assemble talent, which Fish seems to be able to do so, you know, I think there's, I think the, you know, the difference between a one-win Arizona team last year and a six-win team next year for Arizona isn't that big of a difference really in terms of improvement. You know, it's maybe some key talent upgrades and better coaching, but, you know, it's not the it's a it's, it's a lot it's a lot harder thing to go from eight hot, wins to ten wins, right? Than hot, it is from hot one to take. six. The key to getting winning more games is better talent and better coaching. <laughs> you know, people come to the Wildcat Radio two point for really highbrow analysis. Talent and coaching, they'll win more. Games. <laughs> but you've seen the schedule, right? Like, because you say like, there's. I agree, it is a results based business. You have to win games. But is the expectation winning games this next season? And, yeah, I think you need to win more than a game. That'd be nice. But you look at the schedule at San Diego State, hosting Mississippi State, hosting North, North Dakota State. If they win one of those games, I think people will be impressed. That's a tough way to start the season. At Cal, okay, that could be a win, but it's a road game. Hosting Colorado, that could be a win because Colorado's not any good. Then it's hosting Oregon at Washington. Eh. I, I don't know if I would expect wins in either of those games, but we'll see. Um, the bye week, they won't lose, at least. Um, then you're hosting USC. Can't favor them in that game. At Utah, can't favor them in that game. At UCLA, probably can't favor them in that game on the road, no matter what UCLA changes. Hosting Washington State and hosting ASU. There's not really any surefire win on that schedule. And yeah, the, the transfer portal needs to be kind of them. There's, they have needs still. And if they can pick up the offensive lineman that transfer portal, get some more depth along the defensive line too, then they should be a solid team next season. Yes, I agree with you on that. But this is not a forgiving schedule. I'd say there's no NAU on the schedule, but of course we know what happened the last time NAU was on their schedule. But that point remains where, yes, they could be a much improved team and win two games next season based on yeah. that schedule. I think one, one correction on the schedule that you just ran through, Adam, you said they host Arizona State on November 25th. Technicality, I believe they will be hosting the shards of what remains of the Arizona State program <laughs> on November 25th <laughs> by that time. Um, but your point is well taken. And honestly, I think if they go through non-con schedule two and one, that's where I say you extend Jed Fish right then. <laughs> um, you know, that it's a, I look at the first five games of San Diego State on the road, Mississippi State, North Dakota State, at Cal, home versus Colorado. You could win two of those games, three of those games, maybe. I think, I think, I mean, I think 
at it could. least I think at least four of them are winnable. Like we think that okay, we thought like Arizona was favored to beat San Diego State this past season, and it was arguably Arizona's worst performance of the year. Mississippi well, State is San not Diego's, an easy team. North Dakota State is not an easy opponent. Like these and at yeah. Cal is still a road game. San Diego <laughs> San Diego State proved. Uh, I believe when I, I when we came on the pod afterwards, I said I think they they might be good guys, and they proved to be quite good as the season wore on, because mm-hmm. um, they're just they were bigger than Arizona. Right. One thing with the recruiting class, Arizona is gradually getting bigger, but you don't turn over a roster uh, in one year very very easily, and you don't get that much bigger very easily, especially along the lines where young guys don't tend to play early on because they're not as physically developed and therefore literally not as big as they will be when they're upperclassmen, right? But all of that is why I don't like putting a win total on the requirements. Or how, and I get it. Feelings don't win football games. But I think next year is still largely about how do you feel about the program? How do you feel about what transpired? You know, Does the roster look better? It might be a year away because a lot of the best players, a lot of guys add, they're, they're going to be freshmen. So like, are they going to need one year in the system before they really can kind of elevate their games and contribute at the level that we expect them to. I don't know, but I think we can see improvement again, but they do need work. They need to figure out quarterback situation, have maybe multiple quarterbacks who can play. That would be helpful based on what happened this past season. Offensive line needs to improve. Defense could always be better. And we're going to have to see if how the coaching change affects things. So there's questions surrounding this team still talent wise, coaching wise, everything wise, but I think they're going to be a better team next season. I do. But I don't know if that translates to more than two or three wins. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because, you know, look at San Diego State. Everybody didn't think they were very good. They turned out to be pretty pretty great this year. But then they're losing a lot going into next year. So what, are they real, what, what team are you facing there? You, you just don't know in college football with as much turnover. Mm-hmm. And in the, once you get into Pac-12 play, look at, you know, Jed Fish is, what, in the middle of the pack in terms of seniority and we're – in, in 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 time in seat in at his current job, <laughs> or you know, after one year, there's a lot of turnover. There's a lot of changes. You don't know how that's going to play out in a lot of these schools that have seen, you know, seen these kind of changes. Um, you know, it's we'll we'll see. I I agree that the schedule is not forgiving, but you never really know. Uh, you know, I that's why I always kind of say I don't care about all the schedule analysis beyond where's the buy. Um. October 22nd. Correct, Adam. Um, you know, and I think that's that's the game right before they they face USC at home, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so you get two weeks to get healthy, um, you know, to hopefully compete with a, a really good USC team. Um, a really different USC team. Yeah. You know, they're going to have talent. You know, how it's all going to come together. They might be a little bit of a mess, right? We all thought when Chip Kelly went to UCLA... Oh, in like three years, he's going to be just, you know, running through the Pac-12. That hasn't quite played out as as expected. Nope. So you just you don't you don't know. Um, but I, I I don't I think feeling and looking good and statistically winning the game and everything except for score isn't going to isn't going to cut it very far even into next year, because I just think that's the way college football is today. I wonder if um, Arizona fans feel that way, though, about the program. Like, yes, Arizona fans are anxious to win games, but you don't go from this team's going to lose 30 straight, they're that bad, to you better be a bowl team two years later. You know? no. Well, <laughs> like, I'll, I'll, I'll reframe it this way, Adam. I could, you know how much I love the narrative game, but I can see where the narrative favorite. is going to go. Yeah. If Arizona plays improved, and they played pretty well this year in a lot of games where they out they outperformed the opponent in a lot of ways except for key mistakes and turnovers, if they are outgaining, basically outplaying teams week in week out and win two games the narrative will become why you know why can't they win the games it's it is it on the coaching sure and that's and that's where i think he has to get i think i think you have to get three wins but once the talent is improved like once people say hey you've recruited well the talent you've been in the program because yeah well year one it's not his guys year two it's still not largely his guys by year three it's like okay this is your team you know and at that point you need to start having those results but like think of the mike stoops track Three wins, three wins, six wins, five wins, eight wins. Uh, six wins in his third season, okay. And they were left out of a bowl game. It was one of those years where, like, now nah, if you win six games, you're in a bowl for sure. It took him to his, what, his fifth season? Two, three, his fifth season to make a bowl game. Does Jed Fish have that kind of time? I kind of think he does if he shows that improvement that Stoops did. 
But it was year three. Like, granted, they won three games his first year, but I think the team that Mike Stoops took over was probably slightly better than the one Jed Fish took over. But I think you give him that fair shake as long as everything else off the field is going well, as long as the recruiting is still there. Because yeah, if he's not bringing in talent, then it's like, well, how is this going to get better? But if he continues bringing in talent and the vibe remains positive, then I think he gets that time. But one year later, as we kind of start this discussion, the jury's, you know, the jury's stuff, we don't know. But I think that was going to be the case for anyone Arizona hired to. Like, did Arizona make a mistake in hiring Jed Fish? Way too soon to tell. Did Arizona hit a home run with the hiring of Jed Fish? It's way too soon to tell. Like, there's evidence for both up to this point, and the case is hardly made. I think that's fair. I think, and I think that's where your, what your point is, the, the feeling and the mood around the program, I think, is a dramatically improved from where it was 12 months ago. Right? Yes. And if and if there is that kind of uh, trend line continues for another twelve months, then I you know then I think good things are on the on the horizon. If not happening in twenty twenty two, certainly thereafter. Yeah, for sure. So, God, I, I love Arizona off seasons right now. <laughs> There's so much fun. Let them never end. Yes, or let the regular seasons catch up to the offseason in terms of joy. But, but I think that's going to do it for Wildcat Radio 2.0 this week. Of course, everyone, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify. Make sure you subscribe to us on each of those platforms. We take it. You know, you can listen to us on both. One at half speed, one at twice the speed. It averages out to about the same for you. But <laughs> um, otherwise, if you're on iTunes, of course, rate us, subscribe, yeah, rate us, give us a review. We'll read that review on the air on next show when we see it. With, we'll tag your name in it, though. So, you know, just make sure it's something that you'd want your mother to hear that you wrote. <laughs> If we could go that far. <laughs> Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. There's a lot of stuff coming, especially during the games. Um, and when Brett's not, you know, at a holiday party or anything, then you get a lot more content there. But otherwise, there's plenty of stuff coming on Wildcat Radio 2.0 on the channel. So next week, of course, we could wrap up the year. Could do some resolutions maybe for Arizona f- programs. The, you know, what they did well, what they didn't do well, what they need to strive to do better at. And, of course, to end 2021, which was... Interesting for Arizona athletics. A lot are really good, some not so good, but a lot to look forward to in 2022. So we'll do all that next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.